Hail brothers, this is Didact, and this is the Didactic Mind podcast, episode 107, here to crush. Very warm welcome to all of my long-time readers from the site. Very warm welcome to all of my long-time listeners on Podbean and subscribers. Very warm welcome to all of those who have subscribed to my Telegram channel and are active uh, participants in that. If you have not already subscribed, please make sure you do. Make sure you sign up to alerts from the site, from the podcast, and from Telegram itself. Telegram is a great app. I love using it. And um, I communicate with my followers every single day. We're up to 139 followers right now, which is, well, it's basically nothing, actually, uh, relative to the other big Telegram channels out there. But it's a really vibrant and fun community of just guys, mostly. Um, who really interact with each other very, very well. It's a very respectful community, very uh, decent, and all of the guys there are really just interesting. We have people from Catalonia, uh, Florida, New Zealand, uh, Germany, the States, all over, all over the U.S., Canada, Australia, uh, you know, all over the world, and they all just shoot the breeze and talk about current events and uh, it is a lot of fun i have to say I'm, I'm very pleased with how the telegram community has shaped up and i hope it expands uh, over time i mean it is a private community you can't just go find it you actually have to join via an invitation link but that's in the description box and it's yeah you know, I, I think it's worth it but um first and foremost <clears throat> it is <clears throat> excuse me it is january 1st 2023 and as such, or at least it is where I am, and as such, I want to wish all of my listeners a very, very happy new year, and I wish you a very prosperous and peaceful new year for you and your family, though I have reason to believe that this year is going to be quite a difficult one, and I'll get into that. I'll get into some of the things that I see unfolding over the coming year, uh, over the course of this podcast, but... Um, I also want to take some time to acknowledge a very special anniversary. Today is the 10th anniversary of the start of all of this stuff. The, the website, the podcast, everything else, all of the didact persona that I inhabit, all of the things that I have written, everything that I've tried to espouse and teach men for the last decade literally, started on January 1st, 2013. And you can go back and you can look at my website and you can scroll all the way down to Jan 2013 and you can see the very first post on that day uh, announcing the creation of the Didax Reach blog. And um, people to this day still don't get it. Uh, my name is not didactic, it's not didact's reach, it's not didactic mind, it's didact. It, it, it's, it's just didact. But everyone keeps calling me, you know, the name of my site or the name of my blog or the name of the podcast. It's, uh, it is what it is. But anyway, uh, clearly I did not choose well uh, in, <laughs> in terms of naming conventions. Uh, the didact persona came from, as any fool know, the Halo 4 game, which I played in late 2012 and absolutely loved. I mean, 
the first time I played it, I thought it was like, okay, this isn't that good. Then I played it again, and I was like, wow, this game is amazing. And ever since then, it's just been growing on me uh, progressively. And nowadays, it is probably my favorite Halo game to play, weirdly enough. Um, I think Halo 3 is the best of all the Halo games. But, and it's the greatest FPS shooter of all time, in my personal opinion. But um, Halo 4 is the, is the game that I enjoy playing the most, by far. And I really love playing it. Um, I've gotten pretty good at it, at least in the campaign. And, uh, yeah, it is, it is that, that persona of the didact, at least the didact as imagined by Greg Bayer in, in his extended universe novels the teacher, the uh, strict disciplinarian, the, the, the forerunner who imparts wisdom and martial discipline to the Promethean troops that inspired my original persona. And I hope that has come through in some of my writings. But, you know, it's weird thinking back 10 years, 10 years, and, and looking back at everything that's happened since then. Uh, the world has changed you know, dramatically from what it was 10 years ago. I mean, it unrecognizably. And I have changed as well. I mean, I've gone through some very difficult times of my own. Many of my readers have gone through difficult times. Uh, the world is going through a time of great upheaval, tribulation, turmoil, and strife. And many of the things that I started out writing about are... No, are no longer really relevant or necessarily useful in the current context. And many of the things I never even considered have come into focus and into play. And that's kind of the way you would expect things to evolve. But <clears throat> the core message of the didactic mind sight and of the didact persona and everything to do with what I put on the internet and what I put out there for people to look at and think about really comes down to the pursuit of truth. The pursuit of what is true and what is useful in life. That is the pursuit that led me to Christ. It led me to this amazing community of wonderful people, uh, some of whom have been around since the very beginning days of the site. I mean. There are people who read my work who have been around since basically 2013, and they've followed me for 10 years on this journey. And for those of you who have been there ever since the beginning, and for those of you who have come along for the ride uh, ever since, and have kind of picked up what I've read and have started following, uh, and have contributed to my site as guest posters or in the comments, for all of you who have shared out my, my posts and for those of you who have followed me on Telegram, for those of you who have downloaded my podcast, all of you, I'm, I'm deeply grateful. So I I'm, I'm really want to thank you very, very much indeed for your patronage, for your time and your support. I don't write for anybody other than myself. And I've always made this very, very clear. I do not write for anyone other than myself for any reason other than because this is what interests me. And it's very hard to do this for 10 years running. Most blogs shut down after less than a year because they run out of things to say. But for whatever reason, I have been able to keep producing things and 
generating output and creating interesting things for 10 years. And the blog and the site have evolved over time. I mean, I've moved it off Blogger and onto its own self, well, uh, shared hosting platform. Things have changed. Things have grown and moved as they should. That's a good thing. Uh, but again, I haven't run out of things to say yet. Now, I am running out of things to say, and I'll get to that. I'll come back to that shortly because it's important in terms of looking to the year ahead. But um, first, I want to do a quick review uh, of recap of the year that just elapsed. And that means going into the site stats and, you know, kind of reviewing how things went, what went right, what went wrong, uh, and looking at how we move into 2023, which will be a year of great import and impact, and how we make the most of the time that we have. So again, really heartfelt gratitude to all of you for your time and your help and for your contributions to me, to the site, to everything that I do. And uh, I hope I continue to provide you with things of value. Again, remember, I don't write for anybody other than myself. I don't put this out there for anyone other than myself. But it is intensely gratifying to know that there are people out there who gain value from what I do. And I am profoundly grateful to all of you uh, for your help and your support. And if you feel like throwing a couple bucks my way, um, you know, in, in exchange for all the good stuff that I have given you over the years, uh, I don't like to do things for free. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't like to take free money as it were. So check out some of the affiliate links that I have in uh, the, the description box. If you need a VPN, well, I've got you covered. We've got NordVPN, uh, sorry, not NordVPN, um, Surfshark. Uh, and Atlas VPN, which is managed by the company that does NordVPN. So check out those two. Uh, I really like Surfshark. Atlas VPN is also really, really good for if you just want something basic, something simple that just allows you to look at Netflix, you know, get Atlas VPN. But if you want something more secure and something more expansive, which covers the entire world, go check out um, Surfshark, download it, you know, uh, get a subscription to that. It's a great, great piece of software. I've used it myself. Uh, they also have their new Incogni kind of data management suite. Very much worth it. Go check that out too. And if you want to learn how to build your own website, check out the affiliate links for how to self-host your website. Check out the affiliate links for theme builders and for domain name registration. It's all there. And uh, at some point this year, I have to get around to putting together a quick guide on how to build your own website because I think people need to start doing this for themselves. But um, looking at the year in the rearview mirror, I mean, 2022 was a very tumultuous, very difficult year for a number of reasons. And yet, in a lot of ways, it was also a very successful year. For me personally, for many of my readers and listeners, it was a very, very successful year. And I hope we can continue that tradition and trend of crushing it into 2023. But we can only do that by looking at where we've been, looking again at what went right and what went wrong. And I think what went wrong is in some ways more important than what went right, because you only know what to fix or you only know what to do when you know what to fix and how to fix it. That's how you learn. That's how you evolve as a man. 
so looking at the site statistics, <clears throat> uh, we had total page views of about 260,000 when you count the old blogger site and the current uh, shared hosting version of the site. And the blogger site, I think, was um, three, no, it was more than that. It was about, uh, about 3.9 thousand, something like that. 3.9, almost 4,000 page views. I mean, obviously, they fell off a cliff after 2020 because that's when I um, bumped the site over to a, um, a shared hosting platform. But that's down about 3.6% from 2021's combined total of 270,000 page views. Now, again, compared to a website like Vox Days, which, you know, our, our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord, peace be unto him, Vox the most malevolent and terrible, uh, my site doesn't even count. And his, his page views are two orders of magnitude larger than mine. Uh, and, you know, deservedly so. I mean, he is an absolutely amazing writer and a, a really influential figure. And he's accomplished some great things. But 270,000 page views, or 260,000 really, this year, is not bad for a site that's run by one person with one administrator, which, you know, just does everything on its own, and uh, really writes about a fairly wide range of subjects, uh, but which are you know, restricted to one person's view of the world. So, you know, it's decent, I would say. Um, and we actually saw more unique visitors this year than last year. Uh, total visitors uh, were at, uh, re uh, registered at 43,579, and that's up 16.5% compared to 2021. And those visitors left 722 comments across 303 posts. Now, that's down, actually. Uh, there were, it's down 12.5% and 8.7% respectively in terms of comments and posts. So essentially, page views were down slightly. Posts were down a lot. Um, comments were down quite a bit. But overall, it sort of ended up being more or less you know, it, it more or less in the same situation as last year. And the reason was because there were a few posts that I wrote this year, which got picked up by like Vox Day himself and Western Rifle Shooters and a couple of other big uh, right-wing sites, which generated thousands of page views, uh, which is pretty cool, I have to say. I'm really not complaining. I mean, there was a post about Bill Gates's marriage breaking down, which uh, generated lots and lots of views. Uh, there was a post about it, one of the Friday TNA posts, actually, um, which concerned an Austrian uh, model, I think, Annette Kaling, uh, which generated a lot of views. I have no idea why. There was a post that I wrote about uh, Russian maneuver warfare in the Donbass and Russian anaconda warfare, as I called it, way at the beginning of the war, the special military operation, whatever you want to call it, uh, which generated lots and lots of views. Um, and the posts gen averaged about 1,800 words in length. So slightly up from last year, it's about up about 3%. So the posts are getting a little bit longer. Uh, but overall, I think the trend shows quality over quantity. And I think the readership reflects that as well. And if you look at the geographic distribution of 
where the majority of the views come from, well, of course, most of them come from the United States. That's not surprising. Most of my audience is American-based, but there is a, it's very clear if you look at the map and all of this stuff, I mean, all these statistics of maps and everything else uh, will be in the description box so you can see it for yourself. But um, of, I mean, on the website, uh, not so much on the Podbean version of this, but on the website itself, it'll all be there. And um, you can see for yourself the global reach of this message. And what that tells me is people around the world are hungry for the truth. They really are. It's not just me saying these things, right? I'm not the only person advocating for a return to traditional masculine Christianity. I'm not the only person advocating for men to become self-reliant and independent and strong, get, uh, go to the gym, hit the weights, uh, hit the books, uh, set up their own businesses, become independent, become free. I'm not the only guy saying these things, okay? There are lots of people saying these things. But, for whatever reason, the signal is getting out there. People are getting more and more red-pilled, and that's a wonderful thing. That's why didactic mind exists, to help you to find the truth. Now, I want to come back to this point that I made earlier on about how difficult it is to stay interested and hungry in writing things of interest to people and of interest to oneself. In my case, you know, I do this stuff because it's fun for me. It, it, I started Didact's Reach because I was just, I had no one to discuss these things with. My parents weren't interested in talking to me about politics. They were only, you know, they were, they were very clear, they still are actually very clear red lines about what I can and cannot discuss in polite society. Uh, and those red lines have gotten even more glaringly red in the last 10 years. So there, are things I, there were things back then I knew I couldn't say, and I was afraid of crossing those lines. And there are things today which I'm a lot less afraid of crossing those lines, but you, know, you still can't really say them in public uh, you know, under your own name. So it, the, 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 the choice was either to go crazy by keeping it all bottled up inside, or to start exploring some of these ideas in a relatively safe way, relatively safe method and manner. And that's exactly what I did when I started up the Didact Persona. And it is difficult to keep writing like that, especially if you're writing for other people, because that's a very fickle way of doing things. I, I, in my personal opinion, if any of you are looking to start up a website of your own or a blog or whatever, and you just go with what is popular and what is fun at a given point in time, I think you're going to run out of things to say in a very big hurry. I think you're just going to run out of steam and out of ideas, and it's not going to be very much fun, and you're just going to stop doing it. Whereas for me, because I have a very wide range of interests across a, very, a wide spectrum of things that I look at and analyze and keep myself absorbed in, I can always find material to write about. But I will admit this past year, it's been hard to find at times to find the motivation to write because how many more times can you say, well, you know, get right with God, um, go to the gym, uh, dress well if you can, uh, set up an independent source of income, 
Mm, try to keep your nose clean. Hmm. Okay. What else? That's about it. The agogi is an important function. It's a very important part of the website, but it's hard to find new content to add because it's like, well, how many different ways can you say, be disciplined, be strong, take responsibility for yourself? At a certain point, you run out of steam saying stuff like that. Similarly with economics, at a certain point, you run out of the ability to say, modern economics is broken. The people who do it have no clue what they're talking about and so on and so forth. At a certain point, you run out of things to say about game, about red pilling, about women, about how you know masculinity and femininity are two very important uh, poles of attractiveness. And, and you have to manage as a man the masculinity side and you know, women will be attracted to you based on such and such. It's hard to do that. And it's especially hard to do that in an environment when everything around you is conspiring to drag you down. Spiritually, physically, mentally, everything seems to want to pull you under. And the, 2022 is that kind of year where we saw, you know, tectonic shifts in the world order come through. People that I care about got hurt really badly in the process of these shifts, in the process of, of the changes away from this unipolar hegemonic world order, which was always a huge mistake, to a much more fractious, uh, divided, multipolar world order. But I think actually it will be a better world order simply because it embraces competition, and it embraces, uh, you know, real alternatives in terms of development models and growth strategies. And that's a good thing. It's good to have these rivalries at a local level rather than bottled up and then released on an international level between superpowers. That's dangerous. That's when you get, you know, global entangling alliances causing huge problems in, uh, in the future. Nonetheless, 2023 represents opportunity as well as danger. Now, I have to tell you, from everything I'm seeing, 2023 is actually going to be a worse year in many ways than 22 was. I'm not here to, to give you depressing things to think about. I'm not here to tell you everything's going to be horrible. I'm here to tell you how you can confront 2023 in a way that positions you for success. And I don't mean material success, I mean personal, physical, spiritual success. The prosperity gospel is evil. I do not believe at all that the word faith movement is a good thing. I'm not here to tell you that just because you wish on something, it'll come true. That's, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you the truth as I see it, as I understand it, and that's quite dimly and quite, you know, through a glass darkly, if you will. But I'm here to tell you what I think is going to happen. And it's up to you to accept or reject my advice, and that's fine. But one of the struggles that I've had in the past year, in, in 22, was to find things to talk about. Because looking back, I myself ran out of things to do and I didn't execute on a number of things I should have done. Why? Well, I can make all sorts of excuses. 
but ultimately I wasn't disciplined or effective enough in doing what I wanted to do. I'll give you a couple of examples. I wanted to start up my own company in 22. Why didn't I do it? Because I ran out of time, because I was busy, because of this. All of that is irrelevant. The fact is I didn't do it. I didn't, you know, achieve a number of objectives in my personal life. I won't go into those, but there were extenuating circumstances that stopped these things that I wanted from happening. I don't blame anyone for them. They were, shall we say, personal tragedies, not my own, but someone else's. It's not that person's fault. It's not my fault. But the fact is, things that I wanted to achieve in the previous year did not happen. And that will have consequences for this year. And it will have consequences for the rest of my life. I accept that. As you should as well. The, the first step towards really crushing in 23 is to take stock today or, you know, if, it, if necessary tomorrow, but you need to do it very quickly and look at what went wrong. What didn't go according to plan. Now, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while know damn well I have absolutely no respect for the concept of New Year's resolutions. A resolution is completely pointless. And if you're making a list of New Year's resolutions, they're always going to be vague ones like, oh, you know, sign up for a gym membership or go to the gym or get fit or lose weight or, you know, stop drinking or whatever. I mean, who cares? And these are, these are pointless. These are just, it's a wish list. You have no plan. You have no, you have no, uh, actual steps to make anything happen. You have no measurable targets to achieve. This, resolutions are garbage, and you might as well not even waste your time. But if you're going to write down a list of, let's say, seven to ten things that you want to accomplish by the end of 2023, and then you lay out the steps that will make those things happen, that's not resolution planning. Or, you know, that's not, that's not New Year's resolutions. That's crap. Now you're getting into the territory of actually doing positive things with your life. Where do you start? Well, the first place as a Christian where you need to start is by looking at the Word of God. Go and find your nearest Bible. If you don't have one in the house, then you need to get one. I've got a link for an English Standard Version Bible. Go buy it from Amazon. The ESV Bible is excellent. If you want something that's even beefier and really allows you to get into uh, the, 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 the core meaning of the text, get a New English Translation or get a MacArthur Study Bible ESV version, uh, ESV, whatever. Get yourself a Bible. I don't care. I don't particularly care which translation it is. Just make sure it's not the Schofield, the... Uh, the, um, the, what's it called? The, the heart something Bible. I, I forget what it's called. It's the Schofield Bible is heretical. The passion translation is nonsense. I mean, it's, it, it just, it, it obscures God's word. And there's a heart something translation, which I forget about. Those three avoid at all costs. Get yourself an ESV or an NIV or an NKJV or an NASB or RSV, I don't care. Just get yourself a Bible. Then spend 
five minutes a day minimum reading and meditating on the Word of God. Dr. James Tour had it exactly right. He gave a talk um, some, year, some time ago, I, I have no idea exactly when, where he held up the Bible and he said, this is God's Word, and if we don't read it, we are depriving ourselves. We are, we, this is our life. This is our actual life. And if we don't focus our lives on the, the Word of God, then what are we doing with our time on this earth? And he's absolutely correct. Sit down, meditate on the Word of God, read through the Bible from Genesis 1.1 all the way through to the end of the Bible, to Revelation, uh, what is it? All the way through to Revelation 22, uh, 21. Read through. You're in no hurry. There's no... There's, you don't have to read a chapter a day or a, you know, um, anything like that pace. But open with a prayer, silently in your head, and just ask God, you know, through the Holy Spirit, help me to understand the Word. Help me to feast on the Word. Help me to absorb it. That, let it speak to me so that I can absorb the lessons that you're trying to teach me, Lord. And let me grow and feed upon the Word of God, the living Word of God, that I may know God's will. Once you achieve this basic discipline, that is the foundation upon which you will build the rest of your life. Dedicate five minutes a day, minimum, and preferably 15 minutes a day, as Dr. Tour does, sitting in silence, or in my case, I like listening to Templar hymns while I do it, and it just it helps uh, for whatever reason. But meditate upon the Word. Understand the point and the purpose of the Word of God. Absorb it. Learn from it. Because the thing about the Bible is that as you read through it, at different points in your life, the Bible's lessons will change. They will, the same words will, will say different things to you or mean different things to you at different points in your life. And by that I mean, you know, if you, if you read through the, the later parts of Exodus or Leviticus, for example. So I'm, I'm on uh, Leviticus 18 right now, laws of, uh, about sexual immorality. Uh, and then before that, you know, were laws about leprosy and, and laws about cleaning houses and Laws this and laws that. And the first time I read that, which was years and years ago, uh, you know, six years ago, something like that, before I was a Christian, it was just, it, it seemed like, oh, okay, I mean, the, God's just being an anorak and he's being kind of anal retentive and you know, you'll forgive me for using these terms, but that's how it seemed at the time. And now I look at it and I read it and I'm like, wow, there is, there's such a strong connection between what God is saying here in these passages and what Jesus said in the New Testament. It, you, you see the links perfectly, and you understand them. This is your bedrock. It's your foundation. So make sure you build upon it. This is the fertile soil in which your whole year will grow. So nourish it. Make sure that you 
nourish yourself upon the Word of God. It's very, very important. It should be the first and most important habit that you engage in starting today. 1st of January, 2023. Starting today, you need to make this a priority. Every single day for the rest of your life, this needs to be a priority for you. The second thing that I can tell you based on, uh, you know, all the struggles that I've faced over the past year uh, come down, comes down to making a positive impact on people's lives. And this is where I have struggled in, in terms of writing for the Agogi, which is, of course, the training camp that I've set up within my own website, showing men how to be men again. And again, it's like there's only so many times where you can write articles about, you know, being a better man or killing your inner gamma male or um, absorbing red pill truths or engendering discipline. There's only so many times you can write that before it starts to get stale and old. So for those of you in that position where you're wondering how to get yourself out of a rut, where you're wondering how to translate theory into action, where you're, you're curious about how do you take the knowledge, all this you know, theoretical knowledge that you've gleaned from my website or from other people's websites about the red pill and about the sociosexual hierarchy and about you know, what it means to be not just an alpha male, but a real, you know, a real man, not not a pretend alpha male with the big muscles and the shiny car and the lots of money and all, you know, that's, that, that's, that's amateur hour stuff. That's easy. Being a real man in the modern context, what does that mean? I had a really interesting conversation with a good friend of mine. He's a reader of the site. Uh, and he's somebody that I've met through my years of writing and podcasting and uh, really interesting dude. And he wrote in to me, you know, he basically pinged me um, over Christmas. And he said, hey, Didact, you know, when you have some time, give me a call. I actually know him in real life. I mean, we've never met, but we talk uh, on occasion. This is one of the, you know, the, the great things about having this site is that I get to meet some really interesting people. And I've actually formed bonds of friendship with great men. So uh, I called him up a day or two after Christmas. And he explained to me that he had this idea uh, because he'd seen so many broken young men in his society. And I was like, wow. This is an amazing idea. What was he talking about? He was basically talking about setting up kind of a, a, a training camp for men because he saw them at counseling. Um, I'm not going to say where or how, but these men would come in and they'd be young guys, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, completely pussy whipped and broken by the society that they're in, a very, you know, a very misandrist society which devalues men, which treats men like garbage, particularly white men, which says, you know, you are trash because you're a male. And because of what you've got between your legs, because you've got uh, a Y chromosome, you are therefore 
evil and unworthy of society's time. And these men are looking around going like, what? Where do I go? What do I look up to? You know, how do I be good in a society that constantly tells me I'm evil? Where do I turn to for support? You know, this is where this, this whole concept of toxic masculinity becomes so stupid. It's such an idiotic idea. Now, there is such a thing as broken masculinity. I'll come back to that. It's important. But toxic masculinity? I mean, as men, you know, who do you talk to when you have so, you, you're just swamped in the shit and the filth of life? Where do you turn? Who do you go to? And the answer for most of us is, the sad answer is, most of us can only say, we don't have anyone to go to. We can't talk to people. We can't say anything to anyone. Because we're men, we're expected to handle it. We're expected to know what to do. We're expect it, the expectation is on us to have our shit together and deal with it. Tell me, where is the toxicity in that? Where is the evil in that? If anything, we have an entire generation of broken men in front of us who have nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. Their whole society is stacked against them and it's telling them they're worthless and it's robbed them of the very pillars that once would have educated them and given them hope and given them a community, given them strength. The church is cucked out. Priests are spineless and useless. They no longer teach the Word of God. They no longer have the ability to be pastors, uh, shepherds to the sheep. Schools, universities are full of this evil, misandrous garbage. Families are being broken up by the state. Women find it easy to just divorce men and get cash and prizes. Christian men have such a hard time these days finding any source of spiritual relief. The only place they can go is their Bible. And that's, that's a great start. It's a, it's a really great start. But the fact is we're human. And we need other humans to connect with. To share our pain and to build ourselves up. The reality is that as men, we are built to thrive in competition and cooperation. So my friend here was talking about setting up a kind of almost like a, a, an obstacle course for young men to go through on the weekends. And I was like, dude, this, you've got to do this. It's such a great idea. The idea behind it is, is kind of like setting up a Tough Mudder or a Spartan race type thing, but it's, a, it's going to combine some element of weapons training with some element of, of obstacle course racing. Again, I'm not going to say where it is, uh, but if anybody who's listening to this has experience in this area, get in touch, send me an email. My buddy needs ideas and is actively interested in trying to figure out, you know, how to make this happen. I want to help him and I want to help you. So get in touch with me. You know my email address, domaincurry at didacticmind.com. Shoot me a message and let's make something happen here. And the idea that my friend had was to give men a sense of community, of belonging, of a tribe, of a group identity. 
kind of like the Boy Scouts, but you know, without the gayness and, and the, 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 the pedophilia, which they have now, uh, and without having women coming in trying to get Eagle Scout badges. I mean, come on, what is this bullshit, right? But the same basic core principle of giving men objective standards against which to measure themselves, physical uh, hardship, spiritual fulfillment, nourishment, this is what you need to do with the men in your life, the young men especially. If you're lacking purpose in your life and you're lacking the ability to get things done, here's how you start crushing it this year. Reach out to the young men in your life, the men in their early to mid-twenties, even in their teens, who lack father figures and who lack leadership and who lack guidance in their lives and give them something to aspire to. Give them hope. Give them strength. Give them an ideal that they can measure themselves against. Show them what a real man is. Make them better. Compete with them. Help them along. My buddy is in a wheelchair. Seriously, he's in a wheelchair and he's tougher and stronger. At his age, he's a retiree in a wheelchair. At his age, he can do more stuff than a lot of young guys in their 20s. At my age, I can do stuff that guys half my age in the martial arts club nearby can't do. Why? Because we're disciplined, we're focused. We understand how to be strong. We understand how much punishment our bodies can take and we embrace it. We revel in the pain. We revel in the suffering that we have to go through because it makes us stronger. It makes us tougher. We enjoy the feeling of testing ourselves. Young men today don't have that. What do they have instead? Video games and pornography and Tinder. This is garbage. Give them something to aspire towards. Be the man in their lives that they can model themselves upon. That's how you start crushing it this year. That's how you open up avenues for the rest of your life. Build on the foundation of the Word of God and become that man that they need in their lives. Guide these men, because without that, we're not going to get through the coming hardships. This brings me back to what I touched upon earlier, which was the, this whole nonsense of tos toxic masculinity. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Andrew Tate. Uh, not because I like the guy, I, I don't, I can't stand him. Uh, but because his name keeps coming up in recent headlines. And he's, it's interesting. He's a really interesting study in both the good and the uh, twisted sides of masculinity. And it's, I have to be very careful how I phrase, my, phrase the following segment here because the thing is, toxic masculinity is garbage. It really is. But there is a dark side to masculinity. I mean, anything taken to excess is a sin. And when you look at the, the, the core tenets of masculinity, you know, strength, honor, mastery, and courage, these four things, these are the, the four masculine virtues, as Jack Donovan elucidated, you know, years ago. Um, if you take any one of them to an extreme, it's bad. 
and you become obsessive, you become broken in a lot of ways. To these virtues, you have to add respect, faith, hope, love. These things are very much masculine virtues which we have largely lost in our society today. But if you look at a, a guy like Andrew Tate, now, if you know anything about him, he was arrested uh, in Romania um, just a, a day or two ago. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of his arrest because, you know, the, the mainstream media is giving it wall-to-wall -wall coverage, at least um, in the English language media, uh, at least in the UK, because he's originally from the UK, and I read the Daily Fail, well, unfortunately for me, almost daily. And um, the Daily Fail talks a lot about, you know, what a terrible, horrible, misogynistic, awful person he is. Okay, fine, whatever. I mean, you can pretty much be guaranteed that the moment they start referring to people, men, in this way, um, there's, they're hiding something or they're trying to gloss over something or they're trying to distract you from something. That's, that's the way prostitutes work. Uh, hence why I keep saying, you know, just hang them all or, you know, shoot them. I mean, um, at least give them free one-way helicopter rides. Um, I'd be down with that. But, you know, the point is, these prostitutes are doing these things for a reason. But if you look at Andrew Tate, I have no doubt that he's not half as hard as he pretends to be. I mean, his recent, you know, exchange with uh, the Gretard uh, was a good example of that. But he's been on several podcasts recently, you know, several sort of live streams. And Jedediah Bieler, uh, red-pilled woman that uh, I follow on occasion, and she was talking about, uh, you know, I was, I was listening to her talk um, today while I was out on a walk, and she referenced one of his clips, and he was talking about uh, what a woman is like when she's in love with a man and how she will sense things in a man, you know, in, in his fate, and how she will um, kind of... Uh, bind, support him in spiritually. So a man supports a woman physically and emotionally and monetarily, of course. But a woman supports her man f spiritually. And how women who are in that condition, who, who really just give of themselves completely to a man, will sense things and have premonitions, and almost always their premonitions are right. There's a spiritual aspect to it which we don't appreciate as men, and we need to start appreciating it. Now, if you look at the other side of Andrew Tate, I mean, he's on video, on record, beating up a woman and, you know, abusing her, calling her the vilest things possible. That is evil. It's wrong. I mean, he deserves to be brought to justice for that stuff. It's on video. It's nothing new. Um, but and, and of course, you know, if you look at his conversion to Islam, well, okay, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced it was genuine, but then, you know, conversions to Islam can be done by basically repeating the Shahada and, uh, you know, muttering a bunch of words. It, it's, I mean, there's no cost to be paid for converting to Islam. There really isn't. It's not like Christianity where there is a real cost. It really, it really is expensive. I mean, when you, when you commit your soul to Jesus and you give your life to the Lord, 
there is a cost to it and you can never take it back. If you do, I mean, you're basically a heretic. And uh, as, uh, as Hebrews chapter 6 says, you know, it's like fertile ground that is near cursed. Not completely cursed, but near cursed. And uh, it's very difficult for that, that ground ever to be fertile again. But in Islam, I mean, you know, they, 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 the whole of Islam is a lie. And I've been, I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, the whole thing is, is just a charade from top to bottom. But he converted to Islam because why? Islam, uh, you know, is a very pro-masculine religion. Uh, it promises lots of sex in heaven. It promises lots of uh, dusky-eyed virgins and so on and so forth. It's a very, you know, it's a very priapic sort of religion. And that's one of the reasons why I can't stand it. Uh, there's a lot of reason to believe that this is an entirely false reading of originally Aramaic, Syro-Aramaic scripture, which really originated as like Christian lectionaries, but that's, that's a whole other story, and I've covered that in previous podcasts and lots of previous posts, so go look that up. But that is dark masculinity. That is like broken masculinity, where you only find yourself focusing on Subaritic pleasures of the flesh. And that's a mistake. And it's a mistake that far too many of us make when we get into the manosphere, when we get into the red pill. Think about how much has changed. And again, look back 10 years. I mean, when I got into this whole thing, the red pill, the manosphere was a big thing. Today, look at where the manosphere is. I mean, it's, it's, it's fractured, it's broken. Uh, Most of the heavy hitters of the manosphere have kind of disappeared. Why have they disappeared? Because, number one, they've run out of things to say. Number two, they've been hounded into oblivion. Number three, much of what they have to offer is very thin gruel. Actually, if you think about it, much of what they have to tell you doesn't go beyond get ripped, get rich, get laid. That's it. That's all they can offer you. And again, it's only focused on the physical. It's not focused on the spiritual. And one lesson that I've learned over a decade of doing this now is that you cannot separate the spiritual from the real. You can't do it. This is especially true as a Christian. You just cannot separate the two out. Everything that we see in the physical world around us starts in the spiritual world. And once you understand that, and you appreciate the influence of angels and demons in our daily lives, you appreciate how our spirituality, uh, how our spirits communicate with these other beings, how we are connected to God through our spirit, and you understand the gift of sentience that God has given us, then you begin to understand that your choices have consequences. And that if you try to divorce yourself from the spiritual consequences of your actions, then you end up becoming a moral monster. And that's exactly where people like Andrew Tate will eventually end up if they're not careful. Again, I don't know the guy. I don't follow him. I am not interested in his exploits. I don't care what he does to make a 